believe the Lord wants to speak to us this evening. But I'm honored um, tonight to be able to let some young adults speak to you. And I, I told them last week that they had a date. And I said it was a ministry date. And that they needed to meet on the platform next Wednesday night. And uh, that I wanted them to say something. And I'm going to ask that Sister Carly would come tonight. And Brother Cameron's going to follow her this evening. And then I will follow both of them and, and, and wrap us up here. But I'm so proud of all these young people, these young adults, these teenagers. And I'm thankful that they're willing to speak out for the Lord. Many, many, there, there's been many times that I've had young people say, well, I'm not called to preach. I'm not called to do this. I'm not called to do that. And I said, but you're called to be an ambassador. And I thank God that these young people are willing to get into the word and to dive in and see what the Lord has to say and speak to them and through them. So if you would tonight, just stretch your hands this way. And we're going to pray for Sister Carly. We're going to pray for Brother Cameron tonight. God, we come before you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word and it's anointing God. And we ask, Lord, that you anoint Sister Carly as she brings forth the word that you've placed on the inside of her. And God, I ask that you would minister to and through her, minister to and through Brother Cameron tonight as he delivers, Lord, what you have delivered to him. And Lord, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost begin to flow to and through them and in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In my study time, I was really trying to ask the Lord what he wanted me to speak on and what's relevant for today. And um, I tried to avoid this topic, but he wouldn't let me. So um, I'm just going to talk about who God says that we are and what the enemy tries to tell us we are. So when the enemy tries to tell you that you're alone and have nobody, the Lord says he, you're a friend of God. We are never alone because the Lord says in Proverbs 18 and 24, a man who has a friend must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In every step that we take, the Lord is with us, and he will never lead us down the path that we need. He will always lead us down the path we need to go because he cares about us that much. He doesn't want to see us fail, but we must be willing as Christians to continue to walk down the straight and narrow path. And in John 15, 15, it says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servants knoweth not what the Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have made known unto you. Um, there's been many times in my life that I've doubted some of the friends I've associated myself with, and I've wondered if they would stick by me. And I'm just glad that we don't have to do that with God, because he says he'll never leave us, forsake us. And, he made that promise that he's always going to stick by us and be a friend to us. So, And the second is when the enemy tells you you're still being held captive, the Lord says we are redeemed and free from death and sin. When I looked up the meaning of redeemed, it says to obtain the release or restoration from captivity. So in Romans 3, 23 and 24, and I have a lot of verses, so I'm probably going to give you like half the Bible tonight, but... It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then in Romans 8 and 2, it says, For the law of the spirit of life is Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And then in John 8 and 36, it says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. I'm so thankful that my past is behind me and that I no longer have to carry the weight of my sin because Jesus has brought me out of captivity and has redeemed my soul. And then number three, when the enemy says that we still have baggage, shame, and guilt, the Lord says we are made new. In 2 Corinthians 5:17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The Lord sees us in our sin. He sees us in our shame, guilt, and loneliness. But he loves us so much that he forgets about our past, strips us of our old garment, and closes us in dignity, strength, and power. He has made us new creatures through him. And we are chosen. Ephesians 1, 3-4 says, Blessed be 
the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that he should be holy and without blame before in love. And then in Isaiah 41 and 9, sorry, I'm giving you so many scriptures. <laughs> it says, You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its furthest regions and said to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. I believe that the youth is being called up to the plate now more than ever. The Bible says he has called us for such a time as this. We get our armor on and start fighting the fight through prayer and reading of God's word because that is our sword. And then number five, we have obtained an inheritance. In Ephesians 1.11, it says, In him we have also obtained an inheritance, being predestined <laughs> according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. When it talks about obtaining an inheritance, it consists of the promise of eternal life with God and all spiritual blessings that the Heavenly Father has supplied to us. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise with salvation. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, is whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Number seven, we are created in his image. Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image of God, created in his own image, in the image of God created he. Him, male and female, created he them. When the enemy says we are defeated, the Lord says we are victorious. The biblical meaning of victory is the overcoming of an enemy. So when we are victorious, we overcome the enemy. And that's pretty powerful in my opinion. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Christ Jesus. And then number nine, we are overcomers. First John 4 and 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. And then when the enemy tells you you are hated, the Lord says we are loved. In John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loved us so much that he died on a cross for our sins so that we may be saved. We didn't deserve it, and we fail him daily. But he will stand with stretched out hands because he holds so much love for his children that alone is enough to give him praise about. Number 11, we are healed. First Peter 2 and 24, who his own self bears our sins, in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye are healed. We are delivered. Colossians 1, 12 through 13, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saint in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. And last one, we are conquerors, Roman 8 and 37. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So many times we tend to dwell on the lies of the enemy instead of resting in the promise that the Lord has given us. It is so easy to sit and call yourself a failure, lonely, not enough, defeated, empty, and lost. But when we get to the point of full surrender unto him, we begin to rest in the thought of being successful, more than enough, victorious, loved, healed, and washed white as snow by the blood of Jesus, because that's who Jesus says we are. We don't deserve it, but he loves us so much that he points us to the cross daily, and it's time we pick up our cross and walk in it. That's all I have. set up here sorry Uh, all right good evening great word Carly that's my fiance (laughs) all right Uh, let me find my spot real quick all right so um, tonight I am going to be uh, speaking from uh, Matthew 5 and 14 if you all want to get there Um, when we get there um, we have started 
to uh, stand for the reading of God's word. So if you will join me in doing so, if you cannot, that would be, oh, I understand completely. Um, so um, Matthew 5 uh, verses 14 through 16 um, state, uh, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, you all may be seated. Thank you. Awesome. So, um, the Lord actually uh, spoke to me about 12 o'clock uh, today, saying that, um, uh, yeah, your message is going to change. I actually was going to preach from Isaiah um, or teach from Isaiah, but it looks like I'm in Matthew. Um, those are two completely different uh, words, um, so yeah, but this is great. Um, so I jotted down some notes um, around my prep period, and we got on um, with the day. So um, what I really want to talk about tonight is, is just being a light, um, just straightforward, just being a light um, to this dark world that we're living in. I know uh, with this whole uh, being said, uh, looking back in Matthew, uh, ye are the light of the world, a city that is set upon a hill. I know if you've, uh, Connorsville's decently hilly. If you ever look on a hill, you can usually see from a decent amount away, like when you're at the high school and you can look out, at usually if there's not many trees there, but you can look out and you can see a pretty far distance. So, when you read on in verse 15, you can see that it says in the later heart, uh, half of that verse, it says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Not just some that are in the house, not just one room, but all that are in the house. So it shines to everybody around us, not just in, let's say, my classroom, but throughout the whole school, or not just in one room of your house, but multiple rooms in your house. So... I know that that was just something that really stuck out to me in, the, in this passage here um, that we read tonight. And I just wanted to kind of tell a story a little bit. I'm a history teacher. Stories are a big thing in history. I, I like to tell stories. So um, going off of uh, what I just said in Matthew, I, I just wanted to first say that um, I'm very thankful for everything that God has done in my life so far, especially these past few years, um, because without... W- the transition that God has put me in, I doubt I would be standing here talking to all of you um, here today if it wasn't for these last few years. I mean, he's given me a fiance who um, is in church who just spoke and did an amazing job. He's given me a new church family um, here with this church um, and has welcomed me so much and given me the opportunity to not just speak once or twice, but I think this is my third time speaking and then Jade forced me to do announcements which I don't like to do, but I guess, I mean, it's my job now. So <laughs> that is just something that, that I'm so thankful for and so grateful for, even though the announcements part could have been left out. Um, but he's also given me an apartment. He's given me a relation, a, a deeper relationship with him. And he's also given me a job. And that's kind of the story I want to talk about um, tonight. I know that I, I was favored very, very highly by God in just the past few years. I mean, I got to propose. I just, I like that now I can say fiance. Um, but with that, uh, I also got, got favored by God when it came to my job. I know I didn't think I was going to get a job right out the gate. They always say that being, after graduating college, being a teacher, it's hard to find a job. Um, they say on average that teachers take at least five or six interviews before they even get suggested for a job. And usually, you know, principals have connections, so they contact other schools and say, hey, this may be the candidate you are looking for because it's not for us at the moment. And I got, you know, just graduated college uh, literally the day before we had revival, and we had revival on May 15th, which is one of the best days of the year because one of the best people ever was born on that day. Um, So... Um, what happened was I came to church. It was my 21st birthday. I came to church, and we had a revival. Todd Hoskins was preaching. And I've heard Todd before. I heard Todd when I was little. My parents, I'm pretty sure, took me over there in Ohio to hear Todd preach. So I knew of him. I knew um, how he, he, he operated and just a great man of God. And he 
when he came in, he you know sat over there, and of course I was part of the worship team, so I was singing, and he was staring at all of us while we were singing. I, I noticed that. Um, but when he came up to, to give his message, he had us come back up on the stage. And when he had us come back up on the stage, uh, he singled me out and said, you are going to get a job. He called, uh, related my situation similar to Mephibosheth, who was, um, as Pastor talked about last Sunday, um, the one who was, who was crippled. He was dropped when he was a child in, in a little hurry to get out of a place. So he hit a well hit a, hit away in Lodabar, if I'm not mistaken. And when he hit away in Lodabar, he, he wanted to basically get away from everything. And he was very, you know, overlooked in a lot of cases because he was, you know, royalty, but he was overlooked. And, and Todd spoke that over me, said that I, I was similar to Mephibosheth, but I'm going to be favored by God in this next year. I'm going to get a job. And this is the first time I even thought about getting a job. I mean, I just got my degree the day before. So I, I didn't really think much of it until later on in the summer, where, of course, I was applying places and having interviews. So I applied to the one of my dream jobs, which is actually here in town. I applied for it, went out, and had an interview. Um, the principal there said I did a great job, um, but he is uh, looking for something else. So immediately, discouragement. Um, I was like, what did I do wrong? He told me I did great. I did everything right. And then going back, looking at it now, it's like he wanted somebody to teach dual credit. I only had a bachelor's degree. I can't do that. So looking back at it, it was just an opportunity to get my foot in the door. Maybe that door will open up later in my life. But um, who knows? But it was my dream job. And then I had an interview for another job at uh, Richmond High School. And I had that interview, and it fell through. I did not get that job. And then later on, school's about to start in a few weeks. Yes, we got down to weeks, and I get another call saying, hey, we have an opening, and it is from Richmond. And they say, hey, uh, we have an opening. Come interview for it. And I got the job. I, I got the job. I didn't think it was the job that I was going to get, though, because I, I thought with all my mind, I was like, oh, I got a call for this first interview. It's going to be at Connersville. It's where I want to be. It's my dream job. But that's not how God wanted to be. God said, you know, that you're, he prophesied over me. Todd did. And, I, of course, I have full faith in Todd. Like, okay, you know, I'm getting a job type of ordeal. So I got the phone call. It said I got the job at Richmond. And I was thinking, I was like, I don't think this is how it's supposed to be. I started to question God a little bit, if I'm, I'm going to be honest. Because I knew the area I was going into. There was a school shooting there three years ago, actually, uh, Monday was the third anniversary of the school shooting that happened in the district in Richmond um, not too long ago. So it, it was, you know, not a very good environment. It's a very impoverished town. I mean, the kids there are in a lot of, you know, just mess. It's not a good environment. And I didn't think, me being me, I was like, oh, man, I'm kind of scared to go to school every day type of ordeal because of what's going on in the environment. Of course, a lot of these kids bring that into the classroom. And, and it honestly scared me a little bit. And the first three weeks were very rough for me. I had a fight in my room within the first three weeks. Uh, it was just, I, I went home multiple times and just threw my hands up. I was like, I can't do this. I can't get through this. And I pushed through it because that's just the type of person I am. So I pushed through it, and not by, not by my might, but by praying every night, like, Lord, wake me up in the morning and give me the strength to go to work. So I, I would go to work every day, and I would just make the best of it. I'd go in there with a smile and just always just joke around with the kids. I mean, I like to joke around a lot. Um, my fiancé knows that. Fiancé knows that. Um, so that I just, you know, I like to carry myself and have fun um, with just the classroom. I love history, so, I mean, I make jokes all the time. Um, like about how Hoover was one of the worst presidents, like the vacuum, because he sucked. Um, so just stuff like that, little things like that. I mean, I love to just twist history and make it fun. And my students hopefully know that as well, and most of them sleep, though, so they don't think it's fun. Um, but going on to that, I, really the bulk of the story that I wanted to get to, I know I'm a history teacher, I love backstories, so you got the backstory. Um, so continuing forward into my story, uh, I had a situation that happened a few weeks ago that really has changed my outlook onto why I'm in Richmond. 
Because I would ask that question all the time. I'd be like, why did I get a job in Richmond? Why didn't I get a job where I wanted to be? Why, why am I not in a place where I feel like I could be used? Um, so about uh, three or four weeks ago, um, one of my students, one of, I'm not allowed to have favorites, but one of my favorite students, um, he was always just a happy kid, always carried himself really, really well, was always really happy around, around just a- anybody. He always be like, Mr. Rao, you're one of the coolest teachers ever, man. And I was like, oh, thanks, dude. Um, so, I, you know, we just had a really good relationship. I'd always joke around with him. I'd always have fun. And he'd come to my classroom during my prep period, and we'd just hang out, and we'd talk about sports. We'd talk about anything and everything. He's a Reds fan, so he's good in my book. So we just had a great relationship. And, of course, I'm limited on what I can say, so on and so forth. So, I mean, I really can't talk about church much in school unless, of course, they initiate that conversation, which I hate about the job, but because that's what that school needs. Um, but an event happened with that student. He was always happy and always funny and always at school. He had perfect attendance. And then uh, he missed three days in a row. He didn't come to school on Monday. I was like, oh, that's weird. He's not here today. And then wasn't at school on Tuesday, wasn't at school on Wednesday. And then Thursday, he came back to the classroom. And he was, he was wearing, he was wearing a hoodie and he kept his hood up. And I was trying to be, you know, that talkative person. And so I went up to him and was like, you know, just joking around with him. But he wasn't really responding back. He was just out of it. And then, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe something happened. Maybe his, his girlfriend broke up with him or something because I'm the cool teacher that knows who everyone's dating. So I was just like, oh, I'll give him a day and, and I'll, be, I'll be fine. Um, and then Friday came along and he was the same. He was down in the dumps wearing another dark hoodie, the same one he actually wore the day before and had his head down and slept through class. So, you know, I tried to cheer him up. I tried to talk to him, but... It wasn't happening, so I went to the counselor. I was like, hey, um, you know, is, is said student, like, is anything going on? And I got, I got the words that no one really wants to hear. Um, that student wrote a suicide note three days prior. He wasn't at school because his parents found a suicide note and found him in his room. And he uh, was planning on taking his life. One of the happiest kids that I knew in my classroom, one of the kids that I was always looking forward to, to having that conversation, was planning on taking his life. And I, I texted Carly and it broke, it broke my heart. Of course, uh, he, he was already out of my class for the day because I went after, after school and I talked. Well, went during my prep, I haven't been one of my earlier periods. So I went down there, I, and I didn't see him the rest of the day. Um, so I didn't get to talk to him or anything. Uh, but um, it, it really it broke my heart. I couldn't sleep the, last, uh, the few days following, and I prayed. And I was like, why? Why is why does he feel this way? Like, of course I don't know the situation, but why? What what's going on? And then I started studying for this in all honesty, and I was reading in Matthew already to begin with, and I read that verse Matthew five and fourteen it says, "Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hid." Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. You know, I question why I was at Richmond, but I know the reason I'm at Richmond now. I know the reason that I am in this classroom, the reason why I'm in such a bad district is so that I can be the light to these students. I know that I'm limited on what I can say, but if you read that verse and continue on, it says, let your light shine before men and that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So I'm trying my best. I know it's hard sometimes, but 
and it's hard for all of us in our workplace, it's hard for us in our schools, in our communities, to be that light to, to this lost and dying world. But it is a lost and dying world. I know that for a fact, that it's a lost and dying world. I see it every day coming into my classroom. These kids wear what they're, what they're going through on, on their t-shirts, on their sweaters, on their faces. You can just see what they're going through at home. But I hope that they come into my classroom and they can see the good works that I'm doing. They can see the, the light that God has instilled with me so it shines to them in their darkest place. And this is just a little bit of encouragement to you guys. I hope that you got from this message to just be a light in your daily life. No matter what you have going on, and I thought so many times that it was about me, but really it's not about me. It's about the people around you and how you can positively affect them without even saying anything about God. I know I would recommend saying things about God, but you can just shine a light just by being yourself, being carrying yourself highly and living by the word, and that will open the doors to hopefully insert the word and insert Jesus into their lives. So just remember that, church, and hopefully I did an okay job. Amen. Give him and Sister Carly another hand. Amen. If you will, turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. My goal is not to keep you long tonight, but my disclaimer is I'm born and bred Pentecostal. But really... Sister Carly and Brother Cameron both are dealing with some things that I want to deal with you tonight on. First Timothy chapter 4, if you begin reading in verse 12, it says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come and give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not, turn to your neighbor say, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy and with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses, seven through, or verses 5 through 7. When I call to remembrance the unframed faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that is in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, turn to your neighbor and say, Remember that thou stir up the gift of God which is in, which is in thee by the putting on of mine hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. Let us pray tonight. God, we come before you. We thank you for your word and its anointing. We thank you for the words that you have deposited into Sister Carly and Brother Cameron tonight. And Lord, let them be encouraged that your word does not return void. And Lord God, we ask that you anoint us tonight. Speak to and through us in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen. So if you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to notice some things. I could preach on verse 12 and 13 where he says, let no man despise you for your youth. And he says, be an example in everything you do. No matter what you do in word, in conversation, in charity or love, in spirit, in faith and in purity. But I want you to, to focus in, if you will, for, uh, on verse 14 and verse 15. 
Neglect not the gift. That gift, that word in the original language means a divine, a, a divine gift, something divinely given that is in thee, which was given to thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. What, what is the presbytery, you may ask? It's church leadership, elders. And meditate upon these things and give thyself wholly or completely or be absorbed by them that the profiting or, the, or your progress may appear to all. And when you go over to 2 Timothy chapter 1, he tells Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy, tells him again, he says, listen, I call, when I call to remembrance the unframed faith that was in your grandmother and in your mother, and I'm persuaded that is in you also. He says that I, I, I want to put you into remembrance of the gift of God that is inside of you and to stir it up. I want you just to get the context of this really quick. 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy were written not at the same time, but at two different times. And I, I just thought it ironic because... In, in, in that time, there was no punctuations and exclamation points and periods and all these things. There was nothing to express the urgency of something. What they would do, Brother Chris, is they would just repeat it. If, if it was repeated multiple times, it meant that it was important. And I thought that it was interesting that not only in 1 Timothy, but in 2 Timothy, that Paul wants to remind Timothy, he reminds him twice to stir up the gift of God that is inside of him. In 1 Timothy 4, he says, neglect not. If you neglect something, that means you forget about it, right? You don't, you don't remember it. And he tells him in 2 Timothy, in chapter 1, he says, when I put thee into remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, to remember, he's telling him, remember to stir up the gift of God that is on the inside of you. Don't neglect this. Don't, don't forget about this. And, and I, this is what I want to, to just kind of exhort on tonight is to set reminders what Paul was trying to do is set a reminder for Timothy that you're called, you're chosen, that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He's saying, Timothy, don't forget that we laid hands on you through prophetic utterance and you were called into the ministry of Jesus Christ. He said, don't you forget what God has done in you and what God wants to do through you. Timothy, don't forget, don't neglect what God has placed on the inside of you and I want to encourage you tonight. We had Sister Carly talking about knowing who we are in Christ. We had Brother Cameron talking about being a light. I want you to know if you want to be a light, you have to know who you are in Jesus Christ. And what Paul said to Timothy is he said, I want you never to neglect or forget that we laid hands on you. God prophesied over you that God anointed your life for such a time as this. Timothy, do not forget that God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind and I want to tell someone in the house tonight regardless of what's going on in your word I'm just going to be a little Paul tonight and tell you to set a reminder take your mind back to the words that God has given you take your mind back to an altar where you receive Christ take your mind back to where you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost remind yourself of who God has called you to be. He said, listen, don't forget these things. Don't, don't, don't forget these things. He tells them in, in, in 1 Timothy 4 and, and 16, he says, you need to take heed or pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to yourself and to the doctrine or the Word of God that you continue in them for doing this. You shall both save yourself and them that hear you. What he's saying is, is when you think on yourself, think not about yourself, but think about what God has placed on you. He said, when you think about this and you meditate on doctrine or the Word of God, he said, continue in this because it will continually save you. It will continually refresh you. 
and them that hear you. If we want to impact a world around us, we have to realize that we cannot suffer as they suffer. You say, well, what are you talking about? Listen, I know we're human. I know that we have issues. We have problems to deal with. But I want you to know that there's a world we just heard. Brother Cameron testify about a young man suffering from depression and suicidal thoughts. But I want you to know that is going on in the world. But I want you to be aware that it's going on in the church. And I want you to be aware of this. If you're in the church and you say that you know Jesus Christ, that spirit needs to be broken off of you because God wants you to minister to somebody else to say, you know what? God reminded me of who he is in my life. And I know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that God had not given him a spirit of fear but a power of love and a sound mind. Why, why does he say this? He tells them in the next few scriptures, so you'll be ashamed, you'll be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll be ashamed of the unashamed of the church, that you'll walk with boldness and authority. What this world needs is not a church that does not, that is dealing with an identity crisis. They need a church that is blood-bought and know their blood-bought, that knows that they are not their own, but they belong to another that knows that Jesus is fighting for them and he's already won the victory on, on Calvary. I want you to set a reminder. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to remind you that God has called you. Turn to him tonight. Say, I want to remind you what God has spoken over your life. I want to remind you what God has called you to. I want to remind you that it's not over. God's not finished with you. This is not where you're stopping, but this is the beginning of what God wants to do in your life. Hear this preacher tonight. I remember playing sports and and we we would come together in football and and in the offensive line that I played on, we we were just a, a, a close knit group of guys. We 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 played together for all four years, and most of us started for three years. We we were constantly together. And I remember we would get brother Chris. We would get in a hard game. We would get in in a tough situation. And I remember coming off the field. The only time we were allowed to sit down is when we got off the field and coach wanted to talk to us. And and I remember, uh, oh, Coach Kitch is what we called him. Uh, Coach Kitch would set us down, the offensive line coach, uh, and he would look at us. He'd look us in the eyes, uh, and he said, Men, you know who you are. Get your head right. Uh, get your mind in the right place. Uh, they're not doing anything that you haven't seen before, uh, but get your mind right. Uh, get your head in the right place. You know what you're capable of. Uh, you know what you can do. Uh, you know you're better than them. Uh, and he would sit there and encourage us. Uh, so I want to stand here and encourage you tonight. Get your head right. Get your head out of the gutter. Stop thinking that you're downtrodden and defeated because I want you to know that you are saved. You are delivered. You are healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to just get by in this life but my word, my Bible tells me that you cannot be conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Church, I want to tell you tonight get your head right. Get your heart right. Get your hands right. Get your body right. Why? Because God has a work for you to accomplish. You see, Paul understands Timothy feels all alone. He's a young man. He's a young minister. And he sent him to a place. A place that needed a pastor. That needed a leader. I want you to know this. Sometimes as believers, we feel lonely. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever felt lonely? I want you to understand that when you're bought by the blood of Jesus, you're called to lead. Called to lead a godly life. And I will tell you, when you lead, it gets lonely. They always used to say in the business world, the lonely, the, at the top, it's lonely. I want you to realize that when you go to work and you're the only one doing what you're doing, believing in what you believe in, and living a godly and righteous life, it can be lonely. And Paul understood that. That's why he sent reminders to Timothy. He said, remember who you are, whose you are, and remember what God has spoken over you. If you go back to 1 Timothy 
chapter 4, uh, he, he not only tells them uh, to remember them laying their hands on him, but he said, you remember the prophecy that was given to you. There have been many of you that God has spoken things over your life, uh, and I want you to remember those things. There are, there are times in our life when we get, we get downtrodden, we, get, we begin to just feel slothful and sluggish in the things of God and in our spiritual life. Uh, let you know, let, let, I want to let you know tonight uh, that the promises that God gives are yes and amen. What does that mean? What does that amen mean? It means yes and so shall it be or so it is done. I want you to realize tonight that what God has started in you, Philippians 1 and 6 says, what God has begun in you, He will be faithful to complete it. You just got to stay the course. I, I, I exhorted on this Sunday, but just imagine being David. You just lost your family. Your countrymen had just lost their families and First Samuel chapter 30. They want to kill him. He gets to Ephod and he goes and he begins to pray. And the Bible says he began to encourage himself, not in himself, but he began to encourage himself in the Lord. I want to encourage you in the Lord tonight. No matter what your life or your family may look like, if God has promised you something and he has begun it in your life, he will complete it. You can come to the music tonight. It's important to remember. You say, what, Pastor, you say it's important to remember, but I remember the temptation. I remember the sin. I remember. And the enemy loves for you to remember who you were. But why is it good to remember spiritually? It's, re it's good to remember who you are. Cameron's spoken on this before. The woman of issue with blood is always called the woman with issue of blood. The woman with issue of blood. The woman with issue of blood. Jesus heals her and calls her daughter. That's who you were. That's not who you are. The demoniac from Gadara. They tried to bind him up, tried to bind him up, tried to bind him up. But Jesus came and said, I'm not here to bind you up. I'm here to set you free. Job lost everything. He said, I came into this world with nothing. I'll leave with nothing. You say, what, what kind of statement is that, Job? lost everything. What kind of statement is that? He was reminding himself that God doesn't owe me anything. You see, in the American culture, in the American church, we think that God is at our beck and call. Yes, the Bible says to make your needs known. Yes, to cast your cares on Him. But I want you to understand His promises things in our life that do not go the way we desire them to go. I was praying here this, this afternoon. And I began to remind myself, Sister Terry, of situations in my life. began to remind myself, you know, and, and I, I talk about it a lot, but you know, it's it's an experience, but I began to remind myself of when my mother died, just how everything just it was a whirlwind. I was, I was a teenager, I was immature, I was just it's just a whirlwind. But in the middle of all that, Sister Royetta, I felt Jesus there. Even when he didn't do what I thought he should do. He was still there. I began to think what Sister Carly referenced, that he never leave you nor forsake you. I told the disciples, I'll go with you even to the ends of the earth, ends of the age.
faithful when you're not. Remember that He's there when you don't think He's there. Remember what God has spoken over your life. Set reminders. You know, this is literally a picture from my phone. Screenshot, cropped and edited, and Landon put it up there. But our phone with technology, they'll have reminders that just pop up at a certain time of the day. And it reminds you, hey, Jade, you need to do cycle counts when you get to work. You need to go to do the cash deposit that we have to do every day. You need to do this at the end of the day. You need to uh, to go to the mailbox and pick up the, the stuff from the P.O. box for your work and all these things. And I said all these reminders, church, it's about time we start setting reminders. When we get, the, this world will weigh you down. But when you begin to get weighed down, set reminders. God, look where I am. And it's not, it's not arrogance. It's a testimony. Because you're saying, God, look where I am. I could not have done this if it wasn't for you. Because church, it's so easy. It's so easy to be like everyone else. Oh, I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. But I want you to know, I just want to encourage you. Timothy probably felt all those, all those things. I'm, I'm alone. Paul sent me here. I, I believe that God sent me here, but I, I don't understand what's going on. But Paul would send him reminders. Saying, remember that we, we laid our hands on you. That God prophesied over you who you are and who you are to be. Remember, if you stand with me tonight. The book of Nehemiah. He's wanting to rebuild the walls of the city. And the locals are just, just fed up with him. They can't stand him in, in Nehemiah chapter 4. And he's starting to rebuild the wall. And they begin to threaten him. They began to threaten him and his people and say, listen, you're not going to build the wall. You're not going to repair anything. And this, was, this is what Nehemiah says in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 14. And I looked and I rose up and I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not afraid of them. Catch what he says here. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren for your sons, for your daughters, for your wives, and for your houses. Oh, but we're under attack. He said, remember the Lord, how great and how mighty He is, and fight. Fight for your children. Fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives. Fight for your homes. The psalmist says it this way, we will rejoice in thy salvation in the name of, uh, of our God. We will set up our banners. Uh, the Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Uh, know, now know that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear them from his holy hill. He will hear them from heaven saying, Strength is in thy right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. He says in Psalms 25, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth. And teach me, for thou art our God of my salvation. O thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever and of old. Remember not my sins of my youth, nor my transgressions according to thy mercy. Remember thou me for the goodness of the sake of thee, O Lord. I love what he says in Psalm 77. He says, Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he anger to shut up his tender mercies? But he, he, he's asking himself a rhetorical question and I said this is my infirmity but I will remember the years of the right hand of the most high and I will remember 
the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of all. What he's saying there is it may feel, I may feel like God has, has turned from me or hid himself from me. But he said this, I know I will remember the works of the Lord and I will surely remember his wonders. I remember what he's done for me. Can you remember what he's done for you? Paul tells Timothy, the Lord has just messed me up with this over the last few weeks. This has been on my heart for weeks. He says, do not neglect the gift of God that is inside of you. But he tells them in verse 15, Garrett, he says, meditate on this. The Lord began to just prompt me and ask me, Jade, do you think on what you're called to do? Do you meditate on it? He was telling Timothy, you need to think on what God has called you to do. Because if he's called you to do something, he's going to anoint you to do it. That's not it. He says, meditate on these things and give thyself holy. Not H-O-L-Y. Not holy. It means fully. Give yourself fully to the call. And he goes on in verse 16. He says, because this will save yourself and them that hear you. So here's what I, I want to remind you of tonight. Not only that God has, has prophesied over you, not only that God has spoken things over you in His Word, that you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb, by the Word of your testimony, that, that you're the head and not the tail. I, I believe what God's Word says about us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. I believe that. But here's what I want you to do. Meditate on that. Think on that. And continually remind yourself, continue, give yourself wholly to the call. God, I know the purpose. I know the purpose. I know the purpose. I know the call. Life looks tough, but God, I know the call. I know the purpose. I know the reason. I want to encourage you tonight. Set reminders. Remember who you are, whose you are, and remember that God has spoken over you. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jade here. I want to thank you for watching today. I pray that this message spoke directly to you and challenged and transformed your life by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I want to invite you to connect with us on social media and stay up to date with what's happening here at PTC. And I pray that you have a great week and a great year in the Lord. We love you.